Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. David DeMuth began his career in advertising at Detroit-based creative agency Donor in 1989. Fast forward to 2023, and he's been CEO of the 85-year-old creative agency for 14 years. Over the years, Donor has evolved along with the industry, but its positioning, where modern meets Main Street, has remained relevant. Donor has a knack for modernizing legacy brands while resonating with everyday consumers. And now, as part of the Donor Partners Network, the creative agency is able to tap into capabilities from PR to market research to bolster its offering, which is resonating with clients in new business pitches. In this episode, DeMuth talks about his approach to talent, Donor's new office space in Detroit, and his experience working with Bruce Springsteen on a Super Bowl campaign for Jeep. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, Editor-in-Chief of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, David. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. I know that you were just dropping your son off for his freshman year of college, so... I was. Glad to have you I was. here on that special day. <laughs> yeah. Feeling a little melancholy. So. Aw, it is. It's, it's tough, but it's an exciting new frontier for him. Yes. Lots of emotions, but mostly uh, excitement and pride. Yes. So let's start with just a little bit of an overview of Donor. The agency has been around for more than 85 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've been there for quite a while as well. Talk about like what differentiates Donor from other creative agencies in the market. I know you talk about being where modern meets Main Street. Talk about that positioning a little bit and what you bring to the market. Yeah, well, look, I I think we are unique, uh, a unique agency in a lot of respects. As you noted, we were founded over eighty five years ago, and in, in de- here in Detroit, um, and the agency has grown and gone through lots of different iterations through the years. I've been here thirty five years, so it's you know I've I've seen quite a bit, and uh, I've been CEO for I think fourteen years now, um, and the the whole positioning of the agency around being at the intersection of modern and main street, I think it, it suits us really well. Um, you know, I think based on our geography and based on the brands that we represent, I think we're very much in touch with kind of mainstream America today. And, you know, we're not on the coasts, you know, we tend to, you know, live in the suburbs and cul-de-sacs and, and things of that nature. And I think, that keeps us in touch with kind of the modern mainstream American consumer and, and, and how that has changed uh, over the last years and become more diverse. Um, at the same time, I think we're uh, an agency that sort of understands how to take legacy brands and help them compete in the modern marketplace by unleashing all of the tools of modern marketing. So talk about, I'm interested in um, the part about just like getting in touch with mainstream consumers. I feel like that's been a big issue in politics in the past couple of years, right? Like everyone sort of feels like there's so much polarization and the regular everyday consumer voter isn't always represented. What insight does like being in Detroit, being in the Midwest give you into what that consumer wants and how they want to engage with brands? Well, look, first, I think, you know, it doesn't that doesn't replace uh, great market research and data and things of that nature. And we tend to make a big commitment 
to those things. At the same time, you know, uh, experience is the best teacher. And I think for us, for our employees, many of them are out, you know, in doing work in communities, taking their kids to school, involved in the community. And I think that keeps us, you know, very much in touch with what's on the minds of, of sort of American consumers today, particularly more mainstream consumers and the sort of uh, that, that brands that uh, have mass appeal uh, are interested in reaching. Mm. So talk about um, like you talk about bringing sort of more legacy brands into the modern marketing world. Like how do you balance legacy with innovation? I always find that that's sort of like an interesting balance for brands, right? Because you don't want to like move too far from your heritage and your equity, but you also want to make sure that you're embracing what's new and, and what consumers are wanting. Yeah. Look, I think, you know, it, that's a, that's a careful balance. You know, uh, obviously there's been brands in the news recently that have sort of maybe lost a little bit of touch with that or tried to do some new things that were rejected by their core. And I think a lot of that is, you know, you have to really understand the brands that you're working on. What are their key business drivers? And I think most importantly, who is their core customer and what do they care about and how do they live their life? And as long as you can be true to that, I think you can help those brands grow and innovate within, uh, you know, innovate for their customer base. I, I think of some of the work that we've done recently uh, on a brand like Tylenol. You know, Tylenol is a very is a big, powerful legacy brand, um, and we've done a lot of work for them in the area of uh, appealing to black consumers and doing things to reach out to that community. And we've helped to you know grow the share. We've made a difference in communities and and things of that nature. So I think you have to really kind of you got to understand where do you have permission to go. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier that you've been at donor for. 34 years, I think it is 35, uh, 34, I think 34. All right. I won't, I won't overdate it. <laughs> What's it been like for you? Like just seeing the agency change over that time period. Talk about how you've balanced keeping the heritage and legacy of donor while also pushing the agency into new frontiers. Yeah. Well, look, I think a lot of that has to do with with the talent that you surround yourself with and the, 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 the people that make up the agency. And I think one of the things that has helped donor move forward and stay relevant and continue to grow uh, through the years is the, the talent base that we have. You know, we have a, a, a really solid foundation of people that I would call sort of cultural touchstones. They really understand the culture and what makes the agency, uh, you know, unique. Uh, but at the same time, we've brought in a lot of new perspectives and new talent. And I think the careful blending of those sort of people that have been here a long time and they really know what makes the place special and they know why it's been able to stand the test of time, but then dropping in people with new perspectives that push it forward. Mm -hmm. To me, that's really been the key is how you uh, lead and manage that talent base. Well, I'm sure it, it, it helps to have the same person in the leadership position for, for a consistent period of time, which doesn't happen at every agency. 
Uh, no, I mean, look, I've been the CEO for 14 years and, and you know, for the 10 years before that in a very senior leadership role, doing different things at the agency. So I, I, I think that I think that that's helped. I'd, I'd like to think it's helped. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's part of why I, I continue to do what I do is because I think that that understanding that careful balance between, you know, talent that uh, has been here a long time and that really kind of understands clients and understands our service ethic, which is something that I really think separates us as well. But then, you know, bringing in new people that that push the thinking and push the creativity. That's very, very important as well. And then you got to make sure all those people get to get along and, and are going after the same thing. Right. Exactly. Well, one thing that donor has done recently is bring a lot more diverse talent into leadership in particular. We covered donor in our agency performance review last year. Um, 24% of senior leadership is now BIPOC up from 7% two years ago. Talk about your journey in diversifying the agency and particularly in Detroit. Like what is it like in the Midwest to approach that versus in a big city like New York or, or LA? Yeah, look, I, th I think it's a little bit harder because the talent pool is smaller. You know, we don't just don't have as many people to draw on, but we've been very deliberate about it and very committed to it. And it hasn't necessarily been easy, you know, finding those people, but it's important to us. It's important to our clients and it's been really important to the work too. I think it's helped lift the mm -hmm. work up and it's something that we continue to be committed to. And again, it's not, it's not super easy to do because we have to, sometimes we got to work harder and we have to look in unique places to find the talent. But I, I will also say the pandemic kind of helped us a bit in that regard, not just in terms of raising our consciousness to the importance of it, which it did, but also, uh, you know, having a slightly more distributed workforce now has allowed us to tap talent in other markets. And we haven't just limited ourselves to the Detroit market or to places where we have a physical office. Yeah. Are you still hiring uh, remote and distributed talent? Because I know you invested pretty heavily in a new office space recently. Yeah, yeah, we are, but, you know, less than we were, <laughs> I would say. It's, you know, it's my belief mm -hmm. that we're better when we're together in person. It doesn't mean that we're, we're getting rid of anybody who works remotely. Uh, we've found some great, great people remotely, but as much as possible, I think it's in the best interest of the work. And I think it's in the best interest of the agency for people to be together, more people to be together more often. What that, mm -hmm. what that means kind of changes a little bit by team and the makeup of that team. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say, I think there were probably, you know, a couple hundred people in the office here today. Yeah. So talk about the office and about your, your strategy there. I know it was during, it was pretty soon after or during, I mean, I guess you can never really put an end date to COVID, but <laughs> it was post pandemic that, that you invested in this new space. Uh, it's I think like 60,000 square feet. It's brand new facility. Like talk about what you were envisioning when you made this investment. Yeah. Well, look, we had been in the same building for a long time. Um, that was a hundred and 10,000 square feet. And, 
you know, sometimes what do they say? Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And we got a little bit lucky that in the middle of the pandemic, we had a lease expiring. So Mm. we did not renew that lease. And we worked the majority of the time that we worked remotely. um, You know, we didn't, we weren't burdened by a lease. So we kind of had the opportunity to go out and really survey the landscape and find the amount of space and the type of space that we thought would work well for our business and the how we, and the way we envisioned working in the future. And I think we, we, we did a really great job. People seem to like it. There's lots of different types of workspaces. Everything is really intended to drive a lot of collaboration. There's little workspaces, there's big workspaces, there's medium-sized workspaces, there's private areas, there's very public areas. And it seems to work really well. You know, people are still getting used to the rhythm of it. Um, we don't have a lot of assigned desks anymore, so people can kind of come in and sit down where they want. And I think that, you know, some people like that. Other people like to kind of define their space. So we've given them that opportunity as well. But, you know, I, I think we're in a business that is really all about collaboration. And yes, you can collaborate and work uh, remotely over things like Teams and Zoom. But, you know, I'm a big believer in what I would call spontaneous collaboration. And, you know, that the the meeting is never really over, you know. So I think when we're together, you know, the meeting might have ended, but I may have a thought and I can walk down the hall and share that thought with somebody. It's a lot easier and more efficient to do that when we're all kind of in the same space, bumping into one another than, you know, when we're, you know, at our homes behind our computers. Mm -hmm. So what is, is there like a cadence you set for people to come in or is there a set schedule or how are you approaching that? We've asked people to come in uh, a minimum of three days a week and we've asked them to make sure that one of those days is Tuesday. Okay. And how's it going? Um, I think it's going well. I, I guess I would say our, our compliance is good, not great. <laughs> um, but, you know, look, we have a lot of people that are traveling to see clients going out on productions and things of that nature. So it's, it's tough to, it's tough to know exactly, but right. you know, I, my, I feel good when I see people in the office talking and laughing and having a good time together and solving problems together and in a room, writing stuff on boards and posting ideas up on the wall. I, I think that's part of what makes our business special and exhilarating and, and fun. For sure. You're now CEO of the Donor Partners Network as well as Donor, right? So uh, what is the Donor Partners Network? I know that Stagwell has, your parent company has kind of regrouped its agencies in different ways. So talk about what that means for Donor and, and what you're overseeing now. Well, Donor is really kind of the hub of the network and the Donor Partners Network is a micro network of eight or nine agencies that are all uh, complementary. So within our network, we have agencies, we have PR agencies like KWT in New York and uh, Veritas in Toronto. We have an agency uh, in Minneapolis called Yamamoto, which has a really great expertise in uh, business-to-business marketing and things that are a little bit more complicated. Uh, We have a market research company called Harris X, which has been, you know, really, really helpful for us to have. 
uh, particularly in the pursuit of new business, but also in serving our clients. We have Wolfgang, which is an agency that we acquired with Stagwell last year, which is boutique creative and a full-blown production company uh, as well. Then we have the Donor North, which is uh, and it was was two agencies in Toronto that we brought together to create uh, Donor North. So it's worked really, really well. I think the the our two year stack on revenue growth across the network was I think twenty seven percent, which was pretty impressive. We've pitched a lot together and won a lot together. We've referred a lot of business. And we've created what I think is a really unique collaborative culture where people really want to help each other and want to get to know one another. Uh, Donor just won uh, the advertising account uh, of a brand a few months ago, and we happened to be at dinner with the client, kind of kicking the relationship off. And uh, one of the one of the clients was saying, "Hey, we're doing a PR review now," and uh, I've been really underwhelmed with the responses. And we were like, "Well." we have a solution for you. We have a a PR agency on our network. It's called KWT. They have some relevant experience. Maybe you'd like to consider them. They agreed to consider them. And a couple of weeks later, they won the business. And now we've increased the value of that client by probably about 25%. So that works really, really well, but you really have to have the collaborative culture and you have to reward people in a manner that that they want to behave that way. And, and we've done that. And I think to, to very good effect. Are you going to tell us who the client was? Uh, I'm not because we haven't uh, officially <laughs> announced the client yet, but it's a brand that everybody's heard of. Um, let's say that. <laughs> okay. I'll wait for you guys to give us the exclusive on it then. <laughs> okay. um, talk a little bit more about those incentives though. I think that's really important. Like how do you reward people to want to refer business to each other in this network? Well, you pay them to do it. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I, I'm kidding a little bit. But what we've done is we've, we've created an incentive program where uh, a part of some of the key leaders' uh, compensation is based on the success of the network. So the better the network does, the better they do. And when you sort of align people's destinies uh, you tend to get better cooperation and then ultimately really great collaboration. I would say the other thing that we've done is we've spent time together, really um, learning about each other's agencies, clients, talking about opportunities, but really just kind of getting, getting to know each other as people and forming you know, relationships. And that has helped a lot as well. So it's not mm-hmm. when we go to pitch together, we're not meeting in the lobby of the client. Right, right. So would you say you're pitching more as the network than just as donor at this point? I, I'd say it's probably about half and half. It really depends on the needs of the client, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, like we want to show up in the manner that the client wants to buy, <laughs> you know, and right. But there have been a number of opportunities recently where in looking at the opportunity, something like earned media would be really important mm-hmm. to the client or ongoing uh, brand tracking research would be. So we've sort of plugged those partners in at the beginning as opposed to at the end. Mm-hmm. And that has worked very, very well. Yeah. 
On the topic of new business, what's sort of the tone in the marketplace right now? Do you feel like there's a lot of opportunity? Do you feel like brands are looking for more of these, like, um, you know, less siloed opportunities where they can work with different types of agencies in one engagement? Um, Talk about what you're seeing out there from clients. Yeah, I guess I would say all of the above. You know, I, I think generally speaking, our new business pipeline continues to be very active. Um, and that's a good thing. Uh, you know, the opportunities kind of come in lots of different shapes and sizes. You know, some are project-based, some are AOR, some are looking for uh, an integrated solution, some are looking for an idea. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, all over the map right now, but I would say the, the, pi- the inflow of opportunity has remained very, very consistent. And okay. I think that's a good thing. And, and usually it slows during the summer and it really didn't slow that much during this summer. And I would expect it to get more and more active. I just saw a big review was, was announced today um, for, for a big uh, QSR operator. I think it's going to, it'll ramp up even more as we uh, move into September and October and to the end of the year. Mm, interesting. Why do you think activity was still high this summer when it's usually slows down? I don't know. I just think, I think brands, you know, with the economy sort of uh, being in a state of flux and, you know, people not knowing exactly what the future is going to hold, I think smart brands are looking to take control of their own destiny and make things happen. And that's a lot Mm -hmm. of kind of what we've seen um, is, you know, People are staying the course and looking to continue to build their brand and build their business and and not sort of, uh, you know, freezing in place, if you will. Right. Right. Well, back to sort of like your capabilities, you recently relaunched Donor Media. Yeah. Talk about that. What is your approach to media? I know you're really a creative agency, but you do have media in-house. Like, where does that slot into the offering? Yeah, well, look, we, we once... We once had about we had a very large media operation, and when we did the transaction to become a part of MDC a few years after that, we took our media operation and merged it with two other media agencies that MDC had acquired to create Assembly. So, mm-hmm. kind of the foundation of Assembly was donor media. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we had always kind of been a fully integrated agency. But at that time, I didn't feel like in the in, in media, we could compete quite as well as we could in strategy and creative. And I wanted to invest in strategy and creative and production. And I think in the last whatever, eight years since we did that, you know, the world has changed. Media is less about scale now and more about precision and things like that. And we just felt like it was time to get back in the media business in some respect. So really build a communications planning uh, competency, be able to buy, plan and buy and optimize uh, digital and social media. Um, and we just think we'll be able to move faster and, and better on behalf of our clients with that. So it was really about opportunity in the marketplace. Yeah, I think clients are it's it's very hard to decouple creative and media these days, right? It's it's sort of important to understand like what you're making the creative for because each platform and channel it has just such different is a different canvas, I guess. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think, look, we still we we share and and work really well with assembly on a lot of business, particularly larger clients. But for some smaller clients and more digitally driven things, it's it's faster, it's easier, and it's more effective, I think, for us to offer up one pack, one integrated package. Right. So you are investing in media, you've invested in production, which has been successful. What other areas of opportunity do you see for donor? Look, I think we're going to continue to invest in really smart strategists and great creative people. And, you know, particularly as it relates to creative people, what I would call more makers. So Mm. people that can conceptualize and make things themselves quickly, efficiently. Um, I think that's kind of the skill set that we're really looking for. You know, so many of our clients now demand a high volume of content because there are so many Mm -hmm. different ways to connect. If you can have people who can work fast and efficiently and that aren't just thinking it up, but that can make it too, we found that to be, you know, a really great advantage. And and we found those people to be uh, huge contributors. How are you thinking about that with alongside the rise of generative AI? I feel like a lot of creative agencies are talking about like less tactical and more strategic thinkers who can like, you know, have the ideas and then rely on AI for the execution. Like where do you see that kind of how is donor approaching generative AI? Look, I think anything that can help us speed up the process and become more efficient is a good thing. And we'll experiment with those things and we'll test with them and we'll implement them. In fact, we're in the process of hiring somebody right now whose job it's going to be is to kind of keep us on the leading edge of that. And I think really importantly, train our people on how to use all of these emerging tools and keep them on the leading edge of it. So that we're, we're, we're looking at that, but I don't, and I think the the real promise of AI too is just helping us move faster and helping us make stuff faster. So, but you have to mm-hmm. have people that need know how to use the tools. So that's mm-hmm. where we'll be going with it, and anywhere it can help us take kind of a a mundane or menial task and eliminate it or speed it up or make it more efficient. I think is is a, are the things that we'll be looking at. But I don't think AI is going to replace people and ideas. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Thank God, because then I'd be out of a job. Yeah. But I'm curious what you think, not just a donor, but just in general, like in your experience as a leader in this business, like how do you see that impacting entry level jobs? Because those are the jobs that you kind of get into the business with, right? Like you break in doing the grunt work and then you rise up in the organization. Like what does it mean for those like recent grads who want to break in? Yeah, well, look, I think, I think, recent grads that want to break in are going to need to have, you know, a, a, a more marketable skill to be, to, to really kind of be expert in something or understand something really, really well, whether that's data science or how to use these tools. It's interesting. You see on LinkedIn now, a lot of creative people are, are listing as one of their skills prompting, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, but look, so many of the, the people that we've found that are really great creative thinkers, but also understand how to make content are younger people. And mm-hmm. we love those people that are great, uh, you know, with, with their computer and with their phone and all that sort of stuff and aren't afraid 
to go out and make something. You know, I think one right. of the things that, that uh, you know, hiring production companies and doing all stuff, a lot of that through the years was about mitigating risk, right? And now you see, I think a lot of the, the really great young creative people are, they're a little bit more fearless in that regard and they're willing mm-hmm. to go out and try and make it themselves. And that's, that's cool and exciting. And I think, you know, the types of people that we really love to have in this organization. Right. It's a little more uh, native to them too, right? Like they can kind of just yeah, exactly. inherently know how to do these things. Well, back to uh, from entry level to very senior talent like yourself, looking back on your career, like what is the most, the campaign that you're most proud of that donor has produced? You know, look, that's, that's, there's been so many. That's like asking, I have four kids. That's like asking me, who's your, you know, who's your favorite kid? Who's your favorite? My kids are, <laughs> they're, they're, they're each wonderful for different reasons. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of campaigns that I've been proud of through the years. I, I'll just, I'll give you two examples. Okay? okay. I'll say it's a tie between two. Okay. Fine. You know, I still think, and I'm, I'm very proud of the, uh, the Super Bowl commercial that we made for Jeep with Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. you know, the, the middle, it was, it's one of the most, you know, watched and talked about Super Bowl commercials ever. It had what I thought was a really incredible, poignant message in it at a time when people needed to hear that message and they still need to hear that message that we need the middle. We need to be able to compromise. We need to be able to come together and not be so divisive. So, uh, you know, I'm, I was incredibly proud to be a part of that idea. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm originally from New Jersey, so I have to love Bruce Springsteen. So, Gotta love Bruce. you know, to, uh, to be a, a part of the team for the only commercial he ever made and he'll probably ever make was, was pretty cool that an idea that he thought was worthy of his time and talent and attention was special. And well, how did you get him to do it? Put a wonderful script in front of him. You know, we had been working with our, our partners at Stellantis who also are very courageous and, and think really, really big. We had been working you know, I think for four or five years, putting things in front of Bruce Springsteen for the Super Bowl and very politely every time he said no. And then we had this one script and the timing was right. And he read the script and he said, I'm in. And he, he barely changed the word, uh, but he lent his voice to a, a very powerful message and he scored the music. And so that was great. So I loved uh, that's something I'm very, very proud of. And then the other thing is is a is a campaign that we did for a regional healthcare system in Pennsylvania called Allegheny Health Network, and the campaign was called Living Proof, and it was all about uh, proof, not promises. You see in a lot of healthcare advertising, a lot of promises, mm-hmm. and this was kind of a documentary style campaign that just sort of allowed you to peek in at the amazing things that were happening inside of this healthcare system every day that nobody knew about. And that was kind of the living proof. And we made, I think, well over a hundred executions and the impact that it had on that brand and their business was incredibly profound in a very short period of time. 
the campaign won uh, an FE, I think, seven straight years. Wow. Um, so I'm really, really proud of that. And they're, they're not even a client anymore, but they haven't won a FE since then either, I don't think. But <laughs> it was a very powerful piece of, of work and something I thought our team did an incredible job on and, and great partnership with the client because, it, again, it wasn't easy to pull off uh, right. either because you needed – you needed to be filming inside of a hospital, like real things happening in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love those are two that that really kind of come to mind that uh, for, for different reasons. Yeah, I'm super proud of. I love that. It's one like big celebrity Super Bowl ad and then one like really impactful healthcare yes. network regional. It, it's that's that's a nice balance. So my last question for you is people in my generation and younger generations, they tend to hop jobs a lot, especially in advertising. Yeah. What's your advice for someone who wants to spend 34 years at an agency and really make it their home? Look, I think, you know, I've been blessed every time in my 34 years I ever got restless or, you know, like your mind starts to wander. Maybe I should be doing something else or looking at an opportunity always kind of dropped in my lap. You know, whether that was a new business pitch or a new client or a new department to run or a new office or or the company or whatever, you know, I think you just have to really keep your mind open because, you know, most agencies, there's there's opportunity inside of most agencies. You just have to go and find it and you got to look for it and you got to raise your hand and say, you know, I'm in or I'd like to learn more about that. And I think that's, to me, that's the key. If you want to stay somewhere a long time and build a career is be curious, raise your hand, you know, um, and, and understand that you'll go through periods where maybe you're not as inspired, but you got to be looking for that thing that's going to inspire you, whether that's a, a person to think with, whether that's a, a new client, whether that's a new, uh, you know, a new business opportunity or a new, you know, there's some every day, there's something new to learn about in this business. So go out and become an expert in something too. You mm-hmm. know, I think that's, that's really important, but I, I I've been blessed. I'm sort of the poster child at donor for what I would call opportunity and meritocracy. Cause I started at a little office in Cleveland with six people, you know, and I wound up being the CEO and just by working my way up and, raising my hand saying, yeah, I'm in. I'll try that. I'll take that on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you heard it here. Raise your hand. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, David. Really great to chat with you. Yeah. Great to chat with you too. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to Campaign Chemistry wherever you get your podcasts and head to campaignlive.com for all the latest news on advertising and marketing.